In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Bravo Docket. Before we dive in, I want to let all of the legal professionals know that we started a group on LinkedIn called The Docket Lawyers, and it is for the purpose of networking with other like-minded people who have an unapologetic love of reality television and pop culture. I find networking to be really hard sometimes because I don't really want to talk about boring, stuffy things, and it's just fun when you can connect with people over Real Housewives, over Dance Moms, And I don't know, form a connection that way and then form a professional connection. So if you're looking for that, check out the Docket Lawyers on LinkedIn. It's free to join. It's just a group. Come join us and let us know who you are. Anyway, do you want to talk about what we're talking about today, Angela? Well, yeah. Warlock, stop. Okay. (laughs) Warlock wanted to participate. Warlock doesn't want you to talk about it. (laughs) What we're talking about today is Dance Moms 2, Dance Mom to Dance Con, and she is at the con part. If you don't know what we're talking about, listen to episode one of this, which came out right before our BravoCon legal recap. But she entered her guilty plea, Abby Lee Miller, on June 27th, 2016. And we'll go through a brief summary of the charges and what she pled guilty to and then talk about her sentencing hearing because this could be similar to Jen Shaw's sentencing hearing that is coming up in December. It was almost like a trial. There's a lot of witnesses, tons of testimony on the record, opening statement by the prosecution and the defense, and it's really interesting. Great. Let's dive in. I'm going to start with just the introduction from the sentencing memorandum that was done by the prosecution, and I'm just going to read the first paragraph. It's well written. So it starts like this. Introduction. In the world of common fraud, a defendant typically employs deceitful means to steal money from a victim to complete the crime. The fraud often causes both an unlawful financial gain to the defendant and a financial loss to the victim. In the world of bankruptcy fraud, the defendant commits the crime by concealing assets from the bankruptcy court and ipso facto, intending to deprive creditors of what assets they are owed. The concealment of the asset is the commission of a crime, regardless of whether the concealment actually caused a financial loss to a creditor and regardless of whether causing an actual loss was impossible. If a debtor knowingly concealed an asset, it can only be for the purpose of not wanting a creditor to have it. This is what defendant debtor Abigail Lee Miller intended to have happen in her Chapter 11 bankruptcy petition when she concealed hundreds of thousands of dollars in TV show income and other assets. And because she knowingly concealed assets, she therefore intended to cause an economic harm to creditors. And then they cite a case. So they're having to start with this because her defense is making an argument that because Abby Lee Miller wrote giant checks after she got caught because the bankruptcy judge was channel surfing one night and saw her additional shows and income that she hadn't reported, 
and then called her out on the carpet and forced her to report them. But they're saying because she actually paid it off, her defense is saying that, then no harm, no foul. And that's just me rephrasing that in common terms. But that's basically what their legal argument is. And then the prosecution is saying it doesn't matter if she didn't get away with it. An attempt to do this stuff still counts as bankruptcy fraud because she was intending to defraud the bankruptcy court. This sort of reminds me of the many, 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 many times I took classes on punishment and theories of punishment where they discuss, like, philosophical reasons that we punish people. And one was retribution. You know, you you want to get back what was lost from you. But another was like, well, no, because the person did something wrong or evil and you need to balance order again. Or another reason to punish is deterrence, like we've talked about before with Jen Shaw. I think we talked about that at the Hulu documentary. I don't know if that got aired. But then it seems like her counsel is trying to make the argument where it's like, well, you just you punish to make things even again financially, when really that isn't the only reason that people get punished. And that's not the only reason why crimes are crimes. So a little philosophical detour for everyone. Yeah, it really sounds like a bit of an Erica Jane argument. I mean, I can see Erica Jane arguing if this had happened to Tom and then Tom ended up paying after he got caught, like say, for example, he had gotten caught 20 years earlier instead of right now. And like, let's say she's like, oh, well, no, yeah, he took the money out of the settlement account and used it to buy me a ring, but then he paid it back and they got all of the money. So it's fine. I could see Erica Jane making that type of argument. That hasn't happened. Yeah. No, we're not saying that happened. (laughs) Just to clarify. (laughs) No, he didn't pay it back. He did not. (laughs) That's the problem. Right. One of the many problems in criminal defense work that I've done. I don't do that anymore. I haven't done it in a long time. But when you have a defendant that's, yeah, I tried to steal the thing, but they caught me before I got away with it. Yeah, that's attempt. You're charged with attempt. Mm -hmm. You attempted. So this is kind of a bankruptcy fraud attempt. Anyway, that's what when you hear some of the arguments and the witnesses that are put on by the prosecution, you will see that that's the case they're trying to make. And then defense is put on the evidence of the fact that she did end up paying this back. And then they actually have a lot of character witnesses. And we have some of that for you to read because I read through them and I thought it was really fascinating that she actually had so many people that were willing to write letters for her that talked about how the character she played on the show was really nothing like what she was like in real life. And I thought I thought that was especially for a reality show. Sessie's making a face right now. I can see the face she's making. I'm not saying it's true, but I'm saying she had a lot of people no, I know. write letters saying that she's actually nothing like how she was on TV, which I thought was interesting because I kind of seemed like that character was really easy for her to play when I watched the episodes. <laughs> yeah. How many people did she yell at to get them to write those letters? <laughs> That's a good – I mean, I can see especially like the judge being like, mm, okay, did she yell at you to make <laughs> you write this? So – All right. We're going to go through some of the evidence. So what we're going to read right now is the prosecution giving a summary at her guilty plea of what the evidence was that the government would have presented at the actual trial. Because what we're going to read later on, again, is not the trial. It's her sentencing hearing, which went on for several days and had testimony from FBI agents and emails presented and then a bunch of defense character witnesses. So we're just reading this to give you an understanding of the charges that she faced and pled guilty to. So this is the prosecutor. 
Your Honor, the following is a summary of the evidence the government would have presented at trial. That on December 3, 2010, the defendant, Abigail Lee Miller, filed a Chapter 11 individual petition in bankruptcy in the Western District of Pennsylvania, seeking a reorganization of debts totaling approximately $356,000. She reported that she operated a dance studio in Penn Hills, Pennsylvania, along with related businesses, and described herself as a dance educator. Incumbent upon the debtor in a bankruptcy petition is the obligation to fully disclose all sources and amounts of income so that the bankruptcy court can determine whether the debtor has sufficient resources to pay creditors. In order for the court to evaluate the debtor's ability to repay creditors and accept the debtor's plan of reorganization, the debtor must file several documents with the court, including monthly operating reports made under sworn declaration by the debtor, which reports monthly income and expenses, disclosure statements, summary of plans, and planned reorganization proposals. Each filing must contain accurate information concerning the existing financial condition of the debtor in order for the court to approve a plan of reorganization and to discharge debt. Going back to the, if you've listened to our podcast, you've learned a lot about bankruptcy court because a lot of reality stars have been in bankruptcy court. In 2013, the Office of the United States Trustee in Pittsburgh referred Ms. Miller's bankruptcy petition to the U.S. Attorney's Office based upon a determination that Ms. Miller may have concealed assets she earned in her regular appearances as a performer on a reality television program called Dance Mom. The allegation was based upon a discovery by bankruptcy judge Thomas P. Agresti in December 2012, shortly before a scheduled planned confirmation hearing that Miss Miller was filming episodes for an upcoming season of Dance Moms, which we talked about this before. This is when he was channel surfing and found the show. The court ordered immediate production of any contracts or show performances, as well as records of all income earned by Miss Miller. Shortly afterwards, on January 3, 2014, approximately 49 checks totaling $288,137 of previously undisclosed revenue payable to Miss Miller connected with the TV show earned in 2011 and 2013 was deposited into her bankruptcy accounts escrow account. So I guess that's just saying that sh- this was undisclosed revenue, yeah. which is interesting because the bankruptcy was for debts of $350,000. Yeah. <laughs> and this is almost $300,000 of income that she didn't. So this is just a high level summary. We're not bankruptcy attorneys. What's the best way to put this? Let's pretend like you have a lemonade stand and then you have to buy stuff for your lemonade stand and you buy it on credit and then you don't make as much money as you thought you were going to make at the lemonade stand. And then you have to pay back your local corner grocery store for the stuff you got. And then your parents take over figure out how much money you have, how much money you're going to make in the future, figure out payment plans for you paying them back, and then tell you how to control everything. It's like the bankruptcy court is your parents taking over and then saying, no, 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 creditors, you can't just come after them and take away their stuff. It has to be done in this way. And yes, you have to sell this thing, but you can keep this thing. They're managing the finances and saying which creditors get what. And when you hide assets like Abby Lee Miller did and several other people we've talked about, that doesn't give the bankruptcy court all of the information to say which creditors should get paid in full. Because if you actually have all the money to pay everyone in full and then you lie about it and the bankruptcy judge says, well, no, you know, this one's only getting paid 60 percent. This one's getting paid 40 percent and the assets are getting split by- this way and these unsecured creditors aren't getting paid anything. That's, I mean, bad. <laughs> that's not how the process is supposed to work. Yeah. So in your lemonade stand example, it's like if the 10-year-old kid suddenly whipped out his $200 that he earned or got as a gift 
from his grandma or something. Yeah. And parents like, wait, it. you had this the whole time in your piggy bank? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You had this and you didn't use it. To, and like you're telling everyone you owe money to that you don't have the money. And then, yeah, it, that's just not how it's supposed to work. Okay, so investigators determined that indeed during the bankruptcy case, Ms. Miller failed to disclose to the court all sources of income, business income, and amounts of income she earned during the bankruptcy. Specifically, as alleged in the indictments count three through seven, the government's evidence would be that Ms. Miller failed to disclose revenue she earned, not only from the television show, but tickets and merchandise sales from dance performance sessions known as masterclass sessions performed throughout the United States. The undisclosed revenue totaled approximately $675,000 and was never disclosed in monthly operating reports or in any other court filings. That's bad. That's bad. (laughs) That's double her debts. (laughs) It's really bad. So not only that, the evidence would also be in the later amended monthly operating reports filed in October 2013 were incomplete and underreported her income. Specifically, with reference to count five, to which Ms. Miller is pleading guilty, the evidence will be that she earned approximately $28,837 in same-day masterclass ticket sales processed by a company called Square Inc., which was never reported to the court. Also, as stated in the indictment, and we're going to read these emails later in testimony from the FBI agent and go into more detail, but also stated as the indictment, the Investigation uncovered email communications in 2013 from Ms. Miller to others in which she instructed others to either not put cash in the bank or not be paid money until the bankruptcy case was over, even the discussion of creating a subchapter S corporation to deposit income without bankruptcy counsel's knowledge. Not good. (laughs) This is like worse than Teresa. It's so – okay, here's the thing. I just want to go ahead and put this out there. I think it's so much worse. I I can honestly see – Teresa getting her book deal and not having the money yet and being, okay, well, I don't have the money yet, so I don't have to report it. I mean, mm-hmm. she should have known better. She should have known better. And then she definitely should have known better to close everything by her sentencing. All of that is very bad. When we read the emails later on <laughs> and the testimony from the FBI agent, I personally think this is so much worse than Teresa. With respect to the count as charged in the information, the evidence will show that Ms. Miller traveled out of the country with TV show cast members, instructors, and dancers in 2014 and 15 to perform masterclass sessions to large audiences. In addition to paying show admission fees, the guests could purchase a variety of Abby Lee Miller dance studio apparel and merchandise. Travelers who accompanied Ms. Miller would testify that a significant amount of cash was earned from the sale of apparel and merchandise from Ms. Miller. Witnesses witnesses would testify that on a two-week trip to Australia in August 2014, several masterclass sessions were performed at various venues to large audiences. A significant amount of foreign currency was collected from the merchandise sales at these show locations. Testimony from dance instructors and mothers of the TV show dancers would be that shortly before returning to the United States, the cash was collected and placed in Ziploc bags believed to be in amounts over $10,000, and distributed among the members of the Australian tour group to place in their luggage and to transport it back to the United States for Ms. Miller. Testimony, sales records, and visual evidence will support that the amount believed to be transported for Ms. Miller, in all, the Australian trip totaled approximately $120,000 to $150,000 in foreign currency. And we talked about this before, and this is the woman where Abby ended up posting, like, a photo of her and basically denying that any of this happened. Which... But she basically tried to say that the dance moms are the one collect the ones collecting and doing the sales and that they kept the money. 
However, the government has evidence and we will post the exhibits the government will post the exhibits the government used on our Patreon and then we'll post one or two on our Instagram, but we're going to post all of them on our Patreon. I mean, there's text messages, there's photographs of Australian currency that the FBI got and it's it's not it's not I mean, it's not good. It makes sense. Like if the moms were the one that were collecting the money, why would they put it in a Ziploc bag? (laughs) Why wouldn't they declare it? It's yeah, yeah, it's that. (laughs) So come on. um, So despite instructions on customs cards distributed to airline passengers and anyone that's traveled, and this is me digressing, but anyone that's traveled internationally, you see the little customs card, and then you have to say what you're bringing in and out. Don't lie on those. Just don't, don't, don't do that. It's your break. Those stress me out, though. I'm always like. Oh, man, does my granola bar have nuts in it? <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to bring nuts sometimes or fruit. Um, I'm like, wait, do these raisins count? Like, I just freak myself out. I almost tried so. to bring a stray cat back from Costa Rica, but it turned out it did have an owner. So I'm glad I didn't take it. But I wanted to. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you would have known if you had it when you were doing the form. Well, no, I wasn't going to lie about it. I was researching yeah. how do I legally transport a stray cat from Costa Rica to my home? I'm a crazy cat lady. It's fine. Anyway, so despite instructions on custom cards distributed to airline passengers, none of the travelers reported carrying in excess of $10,000, and Miss Miller did not complete a FinCEN 105 form that she transported an aggregate sum of money in excess of $10,000 in foreign currency into the United States. It's interesting to me, I think everyone else must have gotten immunity or something, because this could have been a conspiracy charge if they were sharing in the profits or you know, if they were conspiring to help her defraud the Australian government and the United States government, I would imagine that FBI agents showed up at these dance moms' houses or contacted them or something. Because if there's all these people that were helping smuggle Australian currency into the United States and they caught on to it, or maybe one of them reported, we're not mm-hmm. entirely sure. But can you imagine? But also, so it says that they none of the travelers reported carrying anything in excess of $10,000. But the reason they probably didn't do that was because the Ziploc bag money, each bag was under $10,000. Oh, they were probably like, yeah, you're we're right. all carrying less than $10,000. And that was thought out by Abby, obviously. Yeah, that's... So that's, why would they? You know? Yeah. That's 9,000... Yeah, if they're transporting $9,999 each in a Ziploc bag, then, okay, well, I'm not lying because we're not transporting $10,000 in currency. But it's really all the way it becomes a crime is it's really all Abby's money and she's splitting it up and having them do that for her, Mm -hmm. which if she had the children do that, that's bad. I don't know if she did or not. If there were kids. Uh, I don't know. It just says travelers who accompanied her. Yeah, but that was the dance moms and the kids. That was a lot of money. No, 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 no. It says testimony from dance instructors and the mothers of the TV show dancers testified that they... Oh, no, it just says and distributed among the members of the Australian tour group. It doesn't say if it was the mom. The members of the tour group are children. Mm-hmm. That's bad. Well, ch- children, moms, and instructors. Yeah. So yeah. Could have been any combination of those. <laughs> okay. Finally, witnesses would say that upon returning to the United States, they returned the money to Miss Miller or placed the money in a drawer at her dance studio in Penn Hills. Also, a text message exchanged between Miss Miller and another person in October 2014 stated... Quote, we have all this foreign cash slash we need a little money laundering. And that, in summary, is the evidence the government would present, Your Honor. Just a little bit of evidence. (laughs) We do have that exhibit of the screenshot of the text messages, and we'll put that on our Patreon. At this point in the plea, just like Jen Shaw had to do, the court said, 
Ms. Miller, I intend to ask you whether you agree with the government summary of what you, but before I ask, I must advise that your answer may later be used against you in a prosecution for perjury or false statement if you do not answer truthfully. And the judge says, do you agree with the prosecution summary of what you did? The defendant, i.e., Abby Lee Miller says, yes, Your Honor. So that's Abby Lee Miller admitting on the record, under oath, that what we just read, which was the summary by the prosecution of her charges, that yes, she did indeed do those things. Sketch. Sketch, to say the least. All right. So now we have a summary of the charges to which she pled guilty to. We have Abby Lee's guilty plea. So now we go on to the sentencing. Now, we have talked extensively about federal sentencings in our Jen Shaw coverage. And I've talked about that multiple times because I really do think it's important to listen to those to understand what the people beneath Jen Shaw pled guilty to and how sentencing works. So I highly recommend that you go back and listen to those. But essentially, sentencing is the prosecution making their case of here's what we think should happen under the federal sentencing guidelines. And then the defense arguing typically for maybe a downward departure saying, okay, but here's all the extenuating circumstances. Here's the history of this person's life. Here's what led them to make these choices. Here's how they contribute to their community. Here's good things that they did. And then the defense attorney really tries to present a whole picture of the person while acknowledging that what the defendant did was wrong and that they regret it and so on. So also at the sentencing, the prosecution is having to make their case that even though Abby Lee Miller ended up paying all the money back after she got caught and was forced to disclose it, that she should be at a certain level in the sentencing guidelines because she did, in fact, intend to defraud the creditors. And if she hadn't gotten caught, that she would have defrauded them. Mm-hmm. And again, like we said before, her defense counsel is saying, no harm, no foul. She wrote a big check and paid it all back. So there's no harm here. So that means she should be at this other level in the sentencing guidelines because no one was actually harmed because she paid it. So one of the things they're talking about is the court must consider all the intended economic harm caused by Miller under principles of relevant conduct. I'll just read this part. So the court has asked the parties to brief the question of whether the intended loss under USSG section 21B.1 is limited by the intended loss associated solely with the count of conviction, here count five. And then the government is arguing that, indeed, it is certainly not, and the entire economic harm Miller intended to cause to creditors by concealing assets should be considered as relevant conduct under the United States Sentencing Guidelines 1B1.3. So that's this is a big deal because if the court considers all of the intended harm that she was trying to get away with to the creditors, that's going to make her sentence quite a bit higher. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Then the prosecution puts on their case of all the intended harm that she was trying to do to the creditors. And that's how we get the testimony of the FBI agent, the bankruptcy trustee, and her bankruptcy attorney. We're going to read some of the direct exam from her bankruptcy attorney. And I want to make a note that no one's claiming that her bankruptcy attorney did anything wrong. There was no, as far as we know, there's no claim that the bankruptcy attorney was in any way complicit in any of this. Her bankruptcy attorney was brand new. He graduated law school in 2009, and Miller filed for bankruptcy in 2010. Now, it was several years later into his career that he was subpoenaed and had to testify. But I I can't think of much worse as an attorney unless you're personally being accused of something wrong. But that would just be awful. At least he learned. Well, quick quick learning opportunity. I mean, there's no evidence that he did anything wrong. Oh, no. I mean, at least he learned 
from the experience, not as in like yeah. he learned his lesson, but like that best way to learn about the process. Unfortunately, you know? yeah, the yeah. trial by fire is really great way to learn. If you can learn another way, I recommend that. But (laughs) we've seen Abby Lee Miller on the show and whether or not she actually is that way in real life, it's very easy to see her bulldozing a very young attorney and saying, no, I don't have these things or not providing documents or being very difficult as a client. That's very easy to imagine. So this is the bankruptcy attorney that represented, represented Abby Lee Miller. And they had to be careful not to invade attorney client privilege. We're just going to call this attorney David. Have you always worked as a bankruptcy practitioner, Mr. David? I have. I worked for Mr. Someone since I graduated from law school, and I started a firm. And when the firm dissolved, we became this other firm. When did you graduate from law school? I graduated from law school in 2009. When were you admitted to the bar? In 2010. So just side note, she filed for bankruptcy, Abby Lee Miller, I believe in 2010. So this is a brand new person working on this. This helps because this gives a little background on why she filed for bankruptcy in the first place. All right. Line 16, page, I think, 84. I'll start. How do you know Ms. Miller? Ms. Miller came to my office in late 2010, I believe, with financial problems and wanted to discuss filing a bankruptcy. All right. And can you describe for the court the nature of the financial problems that Ms. Miller was encountering when she came to you? Sure. When she came to us, the most immediate threat was a tax sale on her property here in Pittsburgh. She was in default of that mortgage. She had not paid taxes on it, and I believe she was in a default in the mortgage of a property that she owned in Florida as well. All right. Now, do you remember which property was subject to the tax sale? It was the Pennsylvania property here. It was the dance studio. And was the commencement of the tax sale the participating event that brought her to you? Yes. So that sets the background. So Abby Lee Miller is in trouble. Her dance studio is about to be foreclosed upon. She also has a Florida property. So she is wanting to file for bankruptcy in order to save these properties. As part of bankruptcy, you have to put together a big, long schedule of all the debts and assets and creditors and everything that the person filing for bankruptcy has. And so line nine of this direct examination, it says, do you know at the time that you put this plan together, how long... Had that reality TV show been a part of Miss Miller's sort of professional portfolio? I don't believe for very long. Did you make any additional references to that reality television show in this disclosure statement? I believe so. And can you tell the court, in addition to what you're describing here, what you propose to advise creditors of or what you intended to advise creditors of with respect to this reality television program, meaning Dance Moms? I think that the purpose of this was to tell them that there was a reality TV program. I believe the purpose of this was to say that the future of this program was uncertain. We say that there was no contract guaranteeing these payments and she could be eliminated at any time and that any additional seasons of the show will only guarantee the debtor payment for an additional 12 weeks. The problem becomes in these cases that they go on for five or six years after you close the case out. So we're worried about payments long into the future, not short term. Right. In a bankruptcy court, this is just us talking But they'll have a payment plan that you have to comply with to pay back your creditors. And this part, I think, was very fair of her attorney to say. It's essentially saying, like, look, we don't know if this show is going to get canceled. It's brand new. The contract doesn't guarantee payments. So if you base 
her payments on her income from this reality show, that could end at any time. It could be canceled at any time. We all watch reality TV. We all know that that's actually very fair and reasonable to say. There's nothing bad about that because that's true. So line 10, let me ask this question in a more direct way. How do you approach this reality television program from the point of view of planning for her treatment of creditors over the course of her bankruptcy plan? We didn't think it was reliable. And who made that decision? It probably was a conversation with everybody altogether. And like we said, I think that's fair. The problem is when the income becomes reliable, as in, oh, we got picked up for another three seasons or whatever, and you don't report that, that's bad. We have to go to the cross-examination now. This is when it gets a little spicy. Line six. Did you learn that she concealed assets from the creditors? During the case? Have you learned that she concealed assets from creditors? From the pleadings that we've seen through this indictment, yes. Did you learn that she was scheming to create a subchapter S corporation in order to deposit revenue that she earned during the bankruptcy? No. You didn't learn that in any email communications that were shown to you? I never learned that she was scheming to hide anything. I'm not saying during the pendency of the bankruptcy, but subsequently now, have you learned that? I still don't know if there was scheming. I learned that she did try to start a subchapter S corporation. This is the prosecutor trying to get information out from her former attorney that's basically going to help the prosecutor in the sentencing by saying, don't you agree with me that she was definitely trying to scheme? And that's like you're between a rock and a hard place. This is a client that you represented. You're sworn to tell the truth. But also, if he if he did know, then it puts him in a weird position as like an, a bad attorney, a bad bankruptcy attorney. Yeah, but again, I also feel like that's just really unfair to this attorney. He was brand new. or He passed the bar in 2010, and then he's given this probably likely very difficult client in 2010. That's just rough. That's rough. I understand that, but like he's a bankruptcy attorney. He should be doing everything correctly, and I'm not saying he didn't, but it seemed like the questions are being asked in a way not only to get information about Abby, but it seems like if he says yes, then that looks so bad poorly on him you know so it's like yes he has to help them or not he doesn't have to help them but tell the truth but yeah like what if he said yes i did know if she was scheming (laughs) right he can't say he knew she was scheming i don't know i feel like i honestly think that this attorney who is now older it's been six or seven years for him since he had this client i think he does a good job of answering them and then Mm -hmm. obviously the judge and the defense attorney are making sure that the bounds of privilege as far as they still exist for this particular issue are protected. Okay, so on to page 120. You have to relate it to this case because he's called as a fact witness on the filings in the underlying bankruptcy. And then this is the attorney. In this case, you're obviously more knowledgeable now about the condition of Ms. Miller's assets than you were during the time that you and the law firm represented her. Correct. You've read the indictment in this case. I've read parts of it. I tried to stay out of the media and what's been going on. I understand. You have seen from the allegations in this indictment that she's accused of hiding over $700,000 in assets. If you had known while you represented her that those assets were concealed, would your advice to her have been you need to disclose those assets? Objection, Your Honor. Sustained. This is attorney-client privilege. And then the prosecutor saying, I'm not asking whether he actually did. I'm asking hypothetically. Then the court says it would still be attorney-client Question, did you learn that she concealed assets from creditors? During the case? (laughs) Now have you learned that she concealed assets from creditors? From the pleadings that we've seen through this indictment, yes. 
Did you learn that she was scheming to create subchapter S corporations in order to deposit revenue that she earned during the bankruptcy? No. You didn't learn that in any email communications that were shown to you. I never learned that she was scheming to hide anything. I'm not saying during the pendency of the bankruptcy, but subsequently now, have you learned that? I still don't know if there was scheming. I learned that she did try to start subchapter S corporations. If somebody tried to start a subchapter S corporation like she did in order to deposit revenue, that would have been revenue that should have been disclosed to the bankruptcy court. I'm sorry. Can you rephrase your... Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Question. If somebody, like in her case, was planning on diverting revenue to another entity, that should have been revenue that would have been disclosed, should have been disclosed, to the bankruptcy court. It's kind of a compound question. That's why I'm confused. She could start a company and open a business during a Chapter 11. With approval by the court? Not necessarily. If it's within the ordinary course of her business, yes. She doesn't have to have it approved by the court. Then any income that she received from that business, any profit, would then need to be reported onto her monthly operating. If that plan was to put money into a corporation so as to avoid disclosure to the court, would that be improper? Money due to the debtor? Yes. Probably, yeah. If somebody was setting up related parties in order to divert revenue, would that be improper? It would really depend on the situation. I mean, again, if you're asking hypothetically, I'm not an expert, but I think anytime you're trying to, you're using the terms divert revenue. Again, I don't know if you're talking about diverting from monies that are owed to the debtor or where you're coming from. Monies owed to creditors. I'm speaking generally, of course. Again, I don't know if you're talking about income from whatever that partnership is or if you're talking about money that someone was earning from the operation of their business, that's why I'm confused with your question. Okay, we can stop there. I just wanted to share that. I think her bankruptcy attorney did a good job under really difficult circumstances of answering those questions. And I can see also how the prosecutor asking the questions was getting a little frustrated. So the next testimony we want to talk about is the FBI agent testimony. All right, so now we're going to move on to the FBI agent's testimony and read some of the emails that he received throughout the course of his investigation. And the first involves Michael Hammond, who, according to testimony, was a producer at Collins Avenue for the show, Dance Moms, and Mark McCormick, who was a joint venture partner for the Abby Lee Apparel. Do you want to read the email? So this is an FBI agent reading this email into the record at the sentencing hearing. And it says, Abby, you will have a call time tomorrow. If you do not show up for work, I will then call your bankruptcy attorney and tell him that we will be fining you for the cost of an episode and hold any monies due to you. We can and will fine you. We will explain to him or any judge that you are not living up to your contractual obligations. Does a judge even know about your masterclass monies in cash? If you do not perform your dance mom's duties, there will be no AUDC. I advise you to show up for work and do your job properly and stop sabotaging the show that actually allows you to make a living. Would five people show up from one of your masterclasses if not for the celebrity the show has turned you into? 
So that's a producer basically threatening to rat her out to the bankruptcy court if she does not do her work. So the FBI agent that was investigating Abby Lee Miller for this, in addition to that email that we just read, also had several other emails that the prosecution asked him to read into evidence. And again, this is all to show that Abby Lee Miller intended to defraud the creditors, and it goes to what the prosecution is asking for for her sentencing. That's why they're bringing this stuff up now, even though she's already pled guilty. So, Ceci, do you want to read the email as the FBI agent reading it into court? So this is the one that starts with, oh, God, I miss you. She's emailing, I believe, one of her business managers for documents that she needs for, she needs a W-2 for her court filing. And so we've just read an email that the FBI agent read into evidence about the producers clearly getting frustrated with Abby and threatening her. And now Abby's trying to collect more documents to provide to the bankruptcy court. And Ceci is going to be the FBI agent reading this into evidence. So I just want everyone out there listening to imagine a federal judge in a federal courtroom and an FBI agent on the stand reading this email into evidence that Abby Lee Miller wrote. Ceci, go ahead. Oh, God, I miss you. The judge was such a dick. He hates me. I'm paying everyone I owe 100% back in one big check. Who does that? Nobody in bankruptcy. But he won't just say, look. I hate you, and I don't want to see you pay everybody and go. Now my PGH attorney are making Collins app and the entertainment attorney jump through hoops. I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble about the corporations. I'm just naive. I thought the Chapter 11 would be over by now, and I could have my checks sent to no more tears. Yikes. I have three checks already for 14 something each per week since Jan 3rd, when you gave info to Hammond. Now... Bravo Docket listeners, this is not legal advice. And if you listened to us before, you've heard me say this before. But the E in email does not stand for electronic. The E in email stands for evidence. Do not write something unless you want it read out loud into open court someday. And if you're comfortable with that, go ahead and write it. Otherwise, don't put it in an email. Just don't. Just don't call a judge a dick in an email. Well, the thing is, this would not have been put into evidence, I think, or not even relevant to the case. Calling a judge a dick is not illegal. But she said, I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble about the corporations. Like, yeah, she calls so, the judge a dick and then creates more evidence that's bad for her case. Yeah. Just, mm. yeah. So this probably would not have come up if not for the fact that she's, I know about these corporations that I created. Yeah, people hide more money. People mock Teresa and call her dumb, but we didn't have any emails to read about Teresa doing anything like this. And everyone believes that it's kind of reasonable that maybe she didn't know what she was signing. Ceci's exactly right. This email shows that not only did she know what she was doing, she's also just mad about the whole process and not contrite. And she knows that she could get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so the next email is, again, from one of her business managers to Abby. So I will be the business manager... And then you be Abby. Mm-hmm. Abby, what's going on? I need some S-Corp forms signed by 315. You also need to sign something for the payroll, for the reunion show, for Dance Moms. I can bring them all to you sometime soon if you are in PGH. Should I talk to your bankruptcy attorney about the S-Corp forms? Who do you want the reunion show money paid to? Call me. If you are filming, you can call me when you're done. I'm always up late. And then she gives her number. Abby, don't do anything at all. David does not know we already did those. I'm going to just get killed. I just thought this would all be over. So 
David is her bankruptcy attorney. They're having the FBI agent read this into evidence at her sentencing to show that she wasn't just naive. She wasn't just confused. She knew what she was doing. And so that her intent of trying to defraud or keep things in the bankruptcy court, the prosecution is arguing that this should go towards a larger sentence for her. And then can you explain the significance of the S-Corp? Just a high level, like why does the S-Corp formation matter at all? Basically, because if I understand the way this was going, she was creating S-Corps in order to put money in different places to make it more difficult for the bankruptcy court to figure out, and probably the IRS, honestly, to figure out what she was doing. We talked about that with the Chrisleys, how they were managing their corporations with their seven seas productions and paying things out and then claiming that that corporation wasn't making money. Also, if you remember from the testimony from her bankruptcy attorney, they were cross-examining the bankruptcy attorney saying, wouldn't it be Mm -hmm. wrong for her to create new corporations and then not tell the bankruptcy court about it? And their bankruptcy attorney was like, well, it depends. If they don't have any money, it's she could go file a form with the secretary of state and create an escort. But if it doesn't have any money in it, then it wouldn't be bad. But these emails are showing that she's creating S-Corps. And she she said, I'm going to get in trouble with David about these S-Corps. He doesn't know about them. So again, it's showing her state of mind and what her intent was with regard to these S-Corporations. Mm-hmm. We're going to put this up on our Patreon. This is a bit of a, I would say, a smoking gun email, kind of. Not kind of, it is. By the way, it's in all caps, <laughs> in bold. It hurts to read. It hurts to read. It hurts your eyes to look at. You know what? It very much yeah, reads. because it's just like, you just read it and it's like screaming. It's screaming like And it's like I'm... different sized screaming. Yeah. It actually reads very much the way she appears on the show when she yells at the kids. It's very, very. Oh, but it... that's just a character. Right. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you want to try to do an Abby Lee impression when you read this one? Not really. I don't want to blow everyone's ears out. Can I read the subject line? Sure. Okay. (laughs) So this is Abby Lee Miller emailing CPAs. And again, the FBI agent reads this out loud on the record in front of the judge, in front of everyone in open court. And it says, subject line, let's make money and keep me out of jail. All caps. Sessie, go ahead. Kathy, meet Mark. Mark, meet Kathy. I am absolutely positive you have shared the swimming pool or at least the snack bar line at Alcoma, which I guess is a school. Is that a school? Okay. This should be easy. We all kind of come from the same background, same generation, and same not-so-politically correct jokes. Scary. Okay, you two. Be smart. Be honest. Try not to raise any red flags. And don't put cash in the bank! Three exclamation marks. And that was sent... With her full signature line from her email, Abby Lee Miller, owner-director, Rain Dance Productions, has her full address, phone number, studio, and two website links underneath it. They made it too easy for the FBI. When you were putting an all caps in the subject line, let's make money and keep me out of jail, that's clearly a sign that you know if you do something wrong, you can go to jail. This isn't a situation where you were confused or you were taken advantage of. This is you yelling in all caps at your accountant's. Don't put cash in the bank. I mean, seriously, this is like when you do document review and it can be very... Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. A very boring, tedious process. But then you're on your thousandth page 
and you're looking at it and you see an email like this, it makes it all worth it. It makes it all worth mm-hmm. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, this would. Yeah, this would make all those hours. Yeah, <laughs> just so great. I, I could imagine like coming across this as the FBI's team or whatever and being like, we got it. <laughs> yeah. When you're a lower level associate or new on a team and you want to prove yourself. And then, of course, you get here. But we, we need you to go through 3000 emails over the weekend. And so you're sitting there clicking through PDFs, looking at all of them. And then you find something like that and you get to go into the office and tell your boss, I found it. It's just a great feeling. Mm-hmm. I've had that <laughs> feeling. It's like, yeah, better, better than, I don't know. It's like, you're just so excited. It's like, look what I found. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. And then the next one is not as exciting, but it, it does again show very much her thought process. And it's just one sentence. And it says, I do not want to get paid these big sums, although it's spelled Psalms. So I don't know. I don't know what kind of autocorrect that is, but it's spelled P-S-A-L-M-S, but it's clearly Psalms. Like the Bible chapter. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the Bible wants the Bible, to get mixed up in any of this, but yeah. I, do not, I do not want to get paid these big sums until the bankruptcy is over and I can have them made out to the S-Corp, exclamation point, sent from my iPhone, from Abby again to her accountants. Not good. I'd be very curious to hear from our accountant or financial professional listeners. What if they think of these types of emails and getting them from clients? Yeah, right. Like, it seems like they were playing along with her, too. But we I don't mean, know. We don't know. Just to get to that point. I know yeah. we don't know, but I'm just saying, just to get to that point where you were accepting of these emails from Abby Lee Miller, there had to be some repertoire going back and forth or some sort of relationship built and it's like, I am curious. I, I sure, I'm sure CPAs have a duty as well to not break the law. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I would, I'd want to know like everyone's reaction would be to receiving these emails as well. I have a feeling the CPAs were quite a bit smarter. I have a feeling that the CPAs would call her instead of sending an email back. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling they would be probably smarter than that. The next one is pretty bad. It's on page 11. Oh, my God. This one's really bad. Okay, this is from... Really bad. This is really bad. I mean, at least it's not in all caps, but it's still really bad. And then it says... So it's to her accountants and her business manager. And then there's Kathy, the CPA. And so do you want to read that one? Sure. She says, what bank account? Judge shouldn't know about this. Three question marks. I hate the way that she speaks in emails. The worst. Um, <laughs> like, do not send me an email in all caps ever. <laughs> like, don't. No. And then, like, multiple um, question marks. It's like, I get it. It's just a question. <laughs> no, she writes the way she speaks on the show. I will definitely say that. But, yeah, judge should know mm-hmm. about this. That's having the FBI agent sitting on the stand reading an email that's proven to be from you that says judge should know about this. Y'all, I can't. I can't with this woman. <laughs> but, I mean... Come on, Angela. She was paying them all back. She's writing a fat check. The next one is also another smoking gun. All right. This is Abby. I went ahead and made three versions of everything for every month. There is the basic one, which is just disclosing deposits. Then the next has both expenses and deposits. I only included expenses that I felt were show, business, and studio related. The last version just has the expenses. I didn't include everything because there would be tons of different things such as a drink at a drive-thru to close 
All of these expenses would be turned into Kathy for tax purposes, though, although, if I showed these, I would also have to disclose the show clicks deposits, which, all caps, we are not. If you have any questions or need anything else, please let me know. Oh, God. Yeah, the show clicks deposits, that was a big chunk of money that she was hiding from the bankruptcy court. And so this clearly shows that it's not like she forgot or thought she didn't have to disclose them. She knew she had to and just is clearly intentionally, in all caps, not doing it. Yeah, and not disclosing things that she should be taxed for as well. So we've gone through all of these emails. Then there's a photograph that honestly looks like something you'd see from like a cartel. Mm -hmm. There is a photograph of a bunch of Australian currency. And we'll probably post this one on our Instagram as well as our Patreon, but we're going to post all the emails on our Patreon. And Ceci, do you want to kind of describe what this? Yeah, it's like stacks of 50 Australian dollar bills, hundreds, just all lined up. When I first went through the outline, I thought there were Pokemon cards kind of all lined up. <laughs> I've never seen Australian currency before. Oh, me neither. But yeah, I know they're called dollars because they have purchased something from Australia. They kind of do look like Pokemon cards just stacked up. But yeah, on a bed, just all lined up in a row, stacks of cash. Yeah, there's rows of 10 or 11 stacks in their 50s piled up. This is a photo of what the government is using to show from the other charge when she was smuggling Australian currency back into the United States, but not wanting to declare it. And there's so much of this. I don't see how she didn't have the kids have it in a Ziploc bag. Because I I don't think that's all parents, because it'd have to be like one person, because each person has to fill out the immigration card, right? Yeah, I don't think every stack in here is $10,000. I think each one is one, and then maybe they each held... Uh, so she had okay. probably one, two, three, four, five different people carrying less okay. than 10000 each. I don't know. We'll post it in Australian Friends. You tell us. There's no way that's... I don't know. $10,000 worth of 50s. Some of the stacks <laughs> look like there's a lot in there. I think they're like... They're probably each 1000 I think you're probably right. The one stack in the back looks really big, but... Yeah, that's a fat one. She probably carried that one. She's probably like, I have to declare enough so they think I'm bringing something back, but... Yeah, I want the one with all hundreds, please. And then the FBI also read a text message exchange into evidence, and they did not reveal in court who this person was. So I think it may have been a confidential informant. So we're just going to read this. I'll be the anonymous person and you be Abby. Anonymous person says, with Lori in NYC, thinking of you XOXO. Love you, exclamation point. We have all this foreign cash slash need a little money laundering, exclamation point. Need to see you Friday. Oh, my God. Anonymous person. I'm in NYC Friday, leaving for Pittsburgh that night. Let me know what time works. No money laundering, exclamation, exclamation, XOXO. Anyone ever sent me that text? I would be like, "Mm, no. We, mm mm-mm. I mean, if a friend sent me that text, I would think they were joking. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't take it seriously. And I kind of feel like this person didn't take it seriously until maybe the FBI contacted her and was like, has Abby ever asked you to do anything? And she's like, well, she did send me a text about money laundering, but I thought she was joking. I know that's kind of the read I get off these. But she definitely says, yeah. need a little money laundering. Need to see you Friday. XOXO, money laundering. Not good. Not good, y'all. Although this person does say PSL will be working from Pittsburgh next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday if we need to connect. 
And then Abby says, yes, I will wait until then, exclamation point. Man, she really likes exclamation points. She's into the exclamation points. Well, it's because she's always yelling, so. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I want to say that, so this was all the evidence that was presented in her sentencing hearing. I'm hoping that at Jen Shah's sentencing hearing, we get some, I imagine, some emails that are going to be read in as evidence as well there. So I look forward to reading those emails if they exist. I don't look forward to anyone going to jail, but I do look forward to reading the evidence once it comes. Agreed. Then in March 2017, Abby announces she's leaving the show a few months before her sentencing. So we're having a sentencing hearing, and then there's, we just talked about what went on in the sentencing hearing, and then there's the actual sentencing after that. Ceci, do you want to read her announcement about leaving? Just in true context, uh, this announcement that she released is mostly in all caps. Caps. For the past six years, seven seasons, I have asked, begged, and even demanded creative credit for all the ideas, award-winning routines, themes, and costuming to no avail. Now it's not caps. I don't have a problem working with any kid. I love my children and have dedicated my life to making other people's children successful. Exclamation mark. Caps again. I just have a problem with being manipulated, disrespected, and used day in and day out by men who never took a dance lesson in their lives and treat women like dirt. Exclamation mark. End announcement. So, I I mean, I don't know what she's asking for with, I mean, I've, it, the name is... Dance Moms, Abby Lee Dance Company was featured heavily. I don't think anyone thought Abby Lee wasn't heavily involved with the choreographing and the routines. So I don't know what, I don't... She probably gets more money as a creative credit. That makes sense. We've just talked about the evidence against her, and I want to be fair. So I want to make this clear. So I want to read a little bit from her attorney arguing to the court that she deserves some leniency so y'all can hear what he had to say. I'm reading directly from the transcript, but this is just snippets from it. And it says, I think the circumstances made this case more difficult to administer. She's on the move all the time. She's working endlessly. She's not very good at the business side of this thing. And at the time, I don't think she had the money to hire people to do it. So my, from my point of view, it's a different person today than she was in 2010 when she entered into bankruptcy. And I do think that a sentence that the court imposes here, because she's pled guilty, because she acknowledged I did this thing and it was wrong. And by the way, on the currency transaction reporting side of this, which I know is the place we're moving, you know, Your Honor, that's the hardest thing for me to explain. And I'll tell you why. It's a crime without a purpose. Usually when I'm standing here talking to you, I have a defendant who can say, well, you know, the objective here was to do A, B, C, or D. This is all legitimately earned money. Just reporting it on the declaration, the customs declaration would have been so simple. It would have been so simple, but I think that's a reflection, Your Honor, on the lack of capacity to do things the right way. So from my point of view, I think there's no question that it was criminal conduct. There's no question she's pled guilty to it. But I do think at some level it lacks that nefarious component that comes with the charge when the conduct is related to hiding funds that were illegally obtained. We don't have that here. So, Your Honor, I think when we look at both the currency transaction issue and the bankruptcy issue, we have to take into account the circumstances that Ms. Miller was operating under at the time. I'm not making an excuse for her. I don't think she's making an excuse for herself. I do think it's one of those things you have to understand. For that reason, I know we've already argued for a probationary sentence. One of the things I think would be remiss if I didn't mention, because of all these witnesses have mentioned it, is the role Ms. Miller plays in the dance world. So then he goes on and he talks about all the good things she's done in the dance world. There are tons of letters from people who wrote in 
and were character witnesses for Abby and talked about how great she was with their kids and how caring she was. And she had letters from people saying that who she is on the show is just a character. I think Ceci and I are maybe a bit skeptical of that, having read the emails and it seems like she is somewhat true to form. However, there are a lot of really, really nice letters, and she had a lot of them that were written for her. And we're going to put those on our Patreon. There are several, like we talked about, letters of people just describing her as an absolutely wonderful person, including from retired law enforcement officers and things like that. So this person is a law enforcement officer, and he says, I have investigated thousands of criminal investigations. I've only once written a letter in support of a defendant at the time of sentencing. The circumstances and mitigating factors that surround this case compel me to write to you. And he says, Miss Miller's rise to fame came later in life, but she is no different than any young celebrity. With success come new challenges, and she was obviously not prepared to handle. And I have to say, that's a pretty, it's a very well-written letter. And then this, another person says, um... I have been lucky enough to have had very personal experiences watching and interacting with the global phenomena over the years, and I'm lucky to have had probably the most unique and surreal experiences a fan could have had, all thanks to her. Ever since I was 12, she has inspired me, as well as thousands of children across the globe, to dedicate 100% of their effort into whatever field they involve themselves in. Growing up as a performer myself, I applied many lessons of hers in my own life. Her infamous quote, save your tears for the pillow, has and still motivates me to remember my personal worth in the world. I have a feeling maybe the judge was like, she can save her tears for the film. I also don't understand what that means. That doesn't sound like a uplifting quote. Having been a competitive equestrian and doing show jumping, I mean, our thing is, if you fall off, you get back on or you go to the hospital. So if you can get back on, you do it. And I kind of feel like maybe that's the same thing. While you're performing or training, you don't cry. You work. And then you save your tears for the pillow later. What, was, what did the girl say again in her letter? I mean, it's definitely not an inspirational quote I would have picked. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I get I get what she means by it, because same, I was in dance and same. It's not very uplifting. Yeah, she says, growing up as a performer myself, I applied many lessons of hers in my own life. Her infamous quote, save your tears for the pillow has and still motivates me to remember my personal worth in this world. Yeah, I don't take that as remembering your personal How? worth. Yeah, I know. I get what you're saying. Yes, that's what yeah. I'm wondering. It's like, <laughs> that I take sense. it. Yeah. I mean, you can't cry in court either when something goes wrong. I mean, it's a life skill that's useful to learn how to save your emotions for later so that you can best represent your client or best put on a performance. But I wouldn't say it's like it has anything to do with your worth. Yeah, I know. I I, I agree with you. That you cry into your pillow and not in front of everyone else. Anyway, whatever. You and I are trial attorneys. We can't be crying in court if a judge overrules our objection. Here's another letter. It's signed Kentucky fan of Abby Lee Miller. And it's written in a kid's handwriting. It says, I felt compelled to write you again about Abby Lee Miller. So this child has written before. I feel so strongly about this. And I just want to be in her corner. I've seen so much on television lately and in the news, horrible things, people hurting others with fire and murder every day. I feel sick. Miss Miller made a mistake. True. And I know all of these different tragic incidents cannot be compared to each other. But Miss Miller did not hurt bodily anyone. She is unfortunately getting enough mistreatment on her show and with her dance company and her producers. It kind of sounds like Abby wrote it. And it's it's anonymous. It says Kentucky fan of Abby Lee Miller. And then this there's here just I'll just read a little bit more. My family met Abby Lee when my son Jesse was 10. She was his dance teacher until he graduated from high school. Abby taught him dance and promoted the love of dance in my son. She taught him many life skills, how to travel, discipline, independence, responsibility, punctuality. Abby's dreams were always for her students, never herself. She was surprised as anyone with Dance Moms became an instant hit. 
In 2010, she didn't even own her car. I remember because I drove her around Pittsburgh looking for costumes for my son. When my son was 18, he was cast in the movie Starstruck and moved to Los Angeles to pursue his dance career. Fast forward five years later, my son has traveled the world and danced in Germany, taught dance classes in Central America and Mexico, and appeared in countless dance shows and just recently completed a dance tour. I will say she has, I mean, regardless of what you say about Abby, like her students have had a lot of success, but I don't know that Abby gets all the credit for that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, she was very successful, but she should have been abiding by the law and not. No, I'm not excusing that behavior. All this money. No, I know. I know. I know. And I know they're trying to paint her out to be a good person. And that's what's going to happen in Jen Shaw's submission as well. You try and say all the good things that they've done and how it overshadows the crime. But you can't forget that there was a crime committed and it has nothing to do with how great she was as a dance teacher. It has nothing to do with that or how motivational she was. Right. She screwed over the government and she screwed over like the whole court system. (laughs) So Yeah. Like, yeah. And she called the judge an asshole. So or a dick. She called the judge a dick. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, reading like we've said in our other sentencing episodes, it is so important and a really good defense attorney when a client accepts responsibility for their actions and is contrite can really use this as an opportunity to paint a picture of a person as a whole and not just as their acts of criminal behavior. And that's so important to do. And she clearly had multiple people motivated to write letters on her behalf. So before she was sentenced on May 9th, 2017, she gave an interview to People and she said, quote, that she was afraid of being physically abused or raped if sent to a corrections facility. She said, I think the prosecutor is trying to make an example out of me. She was sentenced to a year and a day in prison, plus two years of supervised release. She was also ordered to pay fines of $40,000 and $120,000. She reported for her sentence in July 2017. Her prison time was cut short after 10 months due to health complications. In May 2018, she was released and sent to a hospital where doctors discovered she had spinal cancer that required emergency surgery and several rounds of chemotherapy. After she was released, Abby did try to sue the government for what she said were catastrophic medical failures, which led to her paralysis. She wanted to bring a case against the government for providing her with doctors who failed to do their job. And then she sued the lawyer, saying that they missed the statute of limitations to file it. At the time that she was suing, Abby said she remains a wheelchair and is a paraplegic and said that she requires daily assistance with routine tasks, such as dressing and bathing. She was seeking $2.5 million in damages for emotional distress and financial loss. Then she also sued the Hampton Inn and Suites after a bathroom door allegedly, this is January 2022, so this is recent, after a bathroom door allegedly yeah, and I fell can't on find her. what happened. Yeah. That's new, so I don't think we know. I bet it hasn't settled yet. She said the door was on her for six to 12 minutes, and she again sued for negligence, emotional distress, unlawful discrimination, discrimination against individuals with disabilities, and false imprisonment. I guess the door on her, so she couldn't get up? I don't know. That one's still ongoing, so we don't know what's going on with that. But she did come back, briefly rejoin the show, which is where we get the famous video clip or gif of her reversing out to go to the police after someone <laughs> yells at her. But that's that's the story of Abby Lee Miller. So, yeah, she seems to be very litigious now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she got a taste of court and now loves to be in it. Um, but yeah, that was that was a saga for yeah. sure. All right, guys. Well, 
Thank you, legal team, for listening. It's on our Patreon. Check out our Instagram page. And we look forward to hearing your thoughts on this episode. We really, really appreciate the good reviews that y'all leave for us on iTunes. It really means a lot. So thanks, guys. Yeah, and don't forget our LinkedIn, which we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Um, The Docket Lawyer and our TikTok, the Bravo Docket, where we're going to try and post a little bit more frequently. But yeah. Yeah. Bye, legal team. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com slash safety. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network.